Welcome in to the Devi Devotional Podcast, a show devoted to all things Devi and C2C. Hosted by John Arrington and Aaron Wilcox. This dynamic duo brings you actionable strategies with player-driven analysis for your Devi and C2C leagues. Let's dive in. Welcome into the Debbie Devotional, where we stay devoted to Debbie. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on X, on Twitter, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and uh, as as you can hear, we have a new intro, we got new overlays, we're, we're doing big things here on the Debbie Devotional, trying to make it a little more uh, professional, if you will. And so we appreciate uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Johnson, right? I, I believe it is that... Uh, that did that intro for us. Let us know if you like the new one, or if or if you want Caitlin back, uh, my wife back <laughs> as as the intro, because uh, we could always revert back. But I, I really do like that one. Uh, but how are you doing tonight, Aaron? Hey, hey, hey I love it. Uh, shout out to Steven. and yes, it's fun to be back. We took you know a brief little break here, and we're just excited to get back with some supplemental and startup draft talk. Give you guys some strategies. Uh, yeah, I love it. Let's get into it. Absolutely. So, you know, like Aaron was saying, we tonight we're going to be talking about uh, C to C drafts, supplemental drafts. Um, we're, we're both in one as we speak. We're not going to get into the entire thing because the entire thing's not going to be done. We're we're through what four rounds, five rounds, uh, whatever we're through at this point. And then I recently did a C to C startup with the boys from C to C from campus to Canton.com. And a couple, a couple stragglers as well. Uh, also, Nelly and Shane from uh, Debbie Marketplace uh, were in it. So, like, there were some big names, a, a lot of, a lot of people that you probably listen to, read, you know, or, or you know, at least trust somewhat uh, for your C to C needs, maybe even your Debbie needs. And uh, they were all in this draft. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about and, you know, then completely shit on all of their picks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I think this is a, a great time of year to really go through and say, like, who's getting drafted where and, and that kind of thing. And uh, having gone through these drafts recently, I can tell you it's it's really difficult trying to, you know, to figure out where people are going to take what players. And especially in that draft, the the one with the C2C boys. It just seemed like there was, I don't want to say no rhyme or reason because they obviously know what they're doing, but it just seemed like it, there was, there were so many differing strategies that it was difficult to like really nail one down and figure out how am I going to do my strategy? I can't just, I can't just feed off of theirs because there's maybe eight different strategies going on between 12 different players, you know? So it, it was kind of crazy, but uh, first, why don't we dive into our supplemental that we're in right now? We'll go over at least you know, two or three rounds and just kind of, you know, talk about who's getting picked those in those early rounds and, and see if anything really stands out. And then we'll dive into the meat potatoes of, of the, the full startup, the campus startup there uh, in a little bit. But, uh, how are you feeling about your your squad? You didn't have as many picks as I did in the earlier rounds, but you had a couple, and I think you made some good ones there, uh, in, in, at least in the first and second round. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you're right, I didn't have as many kind of loading up um, in the previous years uh, so I could have success on the campus side. But yeah, Ruben Owens at 112 was my first pick. I just figured at that rate, he's kind of the last of those top-end backs in the freshman class. And we we've talked a little bit about your recent uh, research into you know hit rates for incoming freshmen 
and he checks a lot of criteria off the box and he might be the starter day one or at least sometime in his true freshman season and in the sec he's got enough size he's got very good athletic background i I just love everything about him so i was happy to get him at 112 it's not a steal by any means um that's kind of where he goes in that 112 to early second range but i was still happy uh having a guy of that caliber there and then in the late second at 211 i went Devontae walker unc wide receiver so Right off the bat, uh, those are my two picks. I'm going to be up here in just a, a little bit in the early fifth. I have a couple picks coming up after that, so we'll see see how things unfold. But I'm I'm hoping to have another good year. Yeah, I agree. And, and like you said, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to stick to my research and and you know what I've learned from doing all that research. And and I don't know if it's you know really affected the way that you <laughs> attack drafts or anything or not, but your first two picks followed the the research. So, you know, we can't be mad about it. Um, you know, you're looking at SEC running backs, running backs in general. Uh, you know, you love to see that. Uh, and then Devontae Walker is a proven player. Like he's not, he's not some freshman wide receiver. Now he's, he has question marks. Uh, he's, he's still a fifth year player and, and you know, we, we really don't know how he's going to mesh with Drake may, but I mean, everything that we've heard from the spring practices, spring games, all that kind of stuff has, has been great. So I, I don't, I, I definitely love both of those picks. Um, Toronto Dave's in the chat. What's up, baby. And, and Beth, we trust, of course you, you got to trust in Beth, but as getting back to the first round, I don't think, you know, started off Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, like nothing too crazy there. Zachariah Branch and Jonte Cook went at three, four. Uh, does that surprise you at all? I mean, I know like, Branch probably hasn't even gotten as much hype because is he even in? He wasn't even there. I, like he wasn't he a late enrollee or, or something like that, or maybe I'm I'm misremembering. But uh, do you think that that Branch and Jonte going three four is a little too high, or, or are you perfectly fine with those picks? I actually think that that's as advantageous as it is to typically be picking early in supplementals. I mean. I'd be happy with any of those earlier picks in that first, honestly. So, I mean, is it high? I, I suppose it is for those couple of wide receivers. You demonstrated with your research that wide receivers, even the five-star, even the top-end guys don't necessarily always pan out. They don't always hit that well. But I will admit, if you're going to be taking the top-end wide receivers in this class, those are two really good guys to be throwing darts at. So I have no issues with where they went. Even Branch, I actually probably have more questions on compared to um, to Jonte Cook. I mean, I think Jonte Cook, he's just the future at Texas. He really, really flashed um, some explosiveness even just down the field. And I, I love his the cl- complete nature of his game. Um, not that I dislike Zachariah Branch, but he's going to have to be really special because we know he's going to be small. So it and ultimately... Yes, the NFL is is not necessarily as size picky. <laughs> you know, they're not going to discriminate as much as maybe in past years. You can be a functional player in the NFL being a small size, but you have to be really good, right? You have to be Tyreek Hill type of good almost to be a, a big-time difference maker. Um, there's some questions with, you know, can Branch really get there? And I, I think he'll make an impact year one at – to some degree at USC. So I guess that is, is comforting. So I don't think either of those John T. Cooker or branch picks are necessarily bad. 
No, I don't think they are. I was just surprised because, I mean, it, it's not maybe what I would consider the normal way or maybe it's how things are going to transition now. But, you know, what, when I was paying attention to supplementals a few months ago, that definitely didn't seem to be, you know, where those players were going. They were going a little bit later. Um, but I think, you know, it very well could be like there's been some some uh, poor news, poor showings from uh, Arch Manning, you know, and, and maybe people are, are starting to you know figure out that, like, Nico, uh, man, I, I had his name too. <laughs> Nico, Nico, I is, uh, is not going to, you know, probably start this year and like st- stuff like that. Like, so maybe that's why they're getting pushed down the board a little bit more. And then, uh, but that left me, I had one Oh five. Now this is an orphan I took over, but so I, I, I didn't get any of these picks. I just, this is what I had. So uh, I had one Oh five and, uh, I ended up taking Cedric Baxter there. Now, you know from previous drafts and, and everything else that like I'm a pretty big Cedric Baxter fan. The the research that I've done, while I haven't actually like gone through and done the, the numbers on it, it seems like the, the number one running back in the class really hits very well. So not only is it a running back, not only is it almost an SEC running back, <laughs> maybe next year, um, but we, we also have that the, the number one overall running back in, in, in the class. The, you know, it just seems to hit a little bit better than the second, third, fourth, and, and so on, guys. So um, it do, doesn't guarantee anything more than than you know, like what the thirty, forty percent that I might get. But I, I feel pretty good, and and I you have said you've had rave reviews for for Baxter. Just about everyone I've talked to, except for Brent, uh, seems to love. <laughs> seems to love Baxter. So I, I don't know what it is that he doesn't like, but it, it just seems like there's not too much to hate. No, there's not a lot to hate. And I think that there's things to nitpick at. There's the possibility that he doesn't actually make an impact right away. So I suppose those could be detractors just depending on how ready he is to take on that workload at Texas. So um, I have no qualms with that pick. I think it's a good selection. If you're playing probability wise, probably a higher chance of him hitting than a couple of those wide receivers or the, the quarterbacks that went after him. So at that point in the draft, might as well go with that RB one in the class, like you said, and a guy who we've had some questionable RB ones or at least top end, like five stars in, in recent years. I mean, for all time, basically there's always been those guys where it's like, eh, did they really deserve to be in like the top few spots? Uh, but I mean, basically everything about, his game is as far as like Cedric Baxter size, speed, athleticism, ability, you know, says that he could be a good player. So I don't mind that. And really, I mean, do we see yeah, all freshmen in this, this top 12, which is just very interesting because some of our recent pods have been very much focusing on freshmen. Should we be investing in them early? What is the risk? What is the strategy? Yeah, and I think that's why I I want to and I I said you know in the original article I said you know don't draft freshmen and it was a little tongue in cheek you know that's definitely not what I meant but it was just showing like hey man these hit rates just really aren't that good but then you know the more I dove into it like personally I want to focus on the running backs so like I know there's no way I can get Cedric Baxter and then uh, or I'm sorry there's no way that I can take like a 
Dorian Singer or an Aronde Gadsden or, or somebody like that in the first round and then get Cedric Baxter in the second. That's just not going to happen. I can take Cedric Baxter in the first and get Aronde Gadsden in the second. Like, that's possible. So, like, you still have to think. Like, how, you know, you still have to strategize. Um, and, and, like I said, it's tough. There's there's really no, like, true ADP that, that works or that is, like, really up to date. <laughs> there's some services that, that have it. But, you know, I, I don't know how much how reliable they are. All I know is at some point you will have to take some freshmen, but you know, that's what the whole point is to focus on. Okay. We're going to take running backs, the best running backs in the best positions and, and that kind of thing. Um, and that's why I actually kind of thought that it was interesting that Brandon Ennis still went at one Oh seven. Um, obviously not a running back. First of all, I know people were really hyped about Ennis, uh, you know, maybe what, three, four months ago, something like that. But it seems like his, the hype has kind of fallen off. And if anything, he, he's not even the number one wide receiver on his own team, according to a lot of people. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm not, I don't even have a, like a, a personal preference at this point, but, um, do you, were you surprised at all with Brandon Ennis going at one Oh seven? Yeah. So I was a little bit surprised and I'm just going to give away kind of the rest of that first round just to put that into context, right? Who he went in front of, because right after him, it was Justice Haynes, Nico, Jackson Arnold. So a couple quarterbacks there, uh, Roderick Robinson, Ruben Owens. And to be honest, I, I think I prefer all those players over Brandon Innes right now. Now you can fast forward a couple of years. That might look really silly if Innes is the number one there, but he has a lot of competition from very talented uh, players so uh, ultimately is that a bit of a reach it, it definitely could be but i understand like similar to your idea with okay i'm going to take a shot on the number one rb who has all these things going for him well that's taking a shot on the ohio state number one potential number one ohio state recruit and a guy who's super versatile super athletic we might just be forgetting about him because he wasn't an early enrollee so i've never said that Brandon Innes is a bad player by any means, but you're right. He has been falling of late. So would I prefer to maybe scoop him up in the late first, you know, trade back, hopefully, you know, get him. I, I think that would be my strategy instead of just selecting him so early, but ultimately he's not a bad uh, bet. I, I feel as though, even though we've talked about the freshman hit rates, et cetera, in this first round, I didn't see a lot of guys that had to be, for example, guys who have already you know played one, two, three plus seasons in college. I didn't really see many of those guys being um, warranted to be taken in the first. So I get, I guess, having in a somewhere in that range. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that. I mean, I I know personally, I, I would still be taking, uh, or I would still want to take the the players that went behind him in the first round. Uh, you know, over him, like you were saying. So there's if if I was drafting you know, the entire first round, I don't think that he would be in the first round, but, uh, you know, it's just, I'm not drafting the entire first round, so it doesn't really matter. But I, I, I'm trying to stick to the research as much as possible, but at some point, like you said, there's, there's some good things going here with the Ohio state wide receiver, you know, like the, the number one wide receiver in the class and, and all like all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely some good things going for him as well. I don't hate on the picks. I, I I don't think there was any like terrible picks in the first round, which you would hope that there wouldn't be, um, and it didn't happen here. Uh, the second round went Mikai Lemon and Carnell Tate. You know the other one, uh, the other wide receiver from Ohio State that we were talking about that maybe is is has moved ahead of Ennis, but that's probably more 
just personal preference and you know honestly you could probably flip a coin and and who god only knows who's going to be right um and then I that's I ended up taking a Rondé Gadsden at uh, at two hundred three, which then Aaron ended up sending me a trade offer almost immediately because he he said that he wanted to get him at two twelve. So do you think that I reached at two hundred three because you were hoping to get him at two twelve, or is it just that you were hoping and praying and keeping your fingers crossed? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did kind of want him at two twelve, and part of that is just a team need. And so strategy wise, you go into these supplemental drafts and you already have somewhat of a structure of a team. Like, yes, you need to really, you know, get a lot of fresh, fresh blood onto that roster, right? You, you lose a lot of guys in a C to C league on the college side. You just lose them. Uh, they transfer out, get injured, declare for the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. So, or maybe they just bust, but ultimately I have a lot of spots to fill and that, that high end tight end is desirable. Absolutely. So um, I figured, you know, why not kind of rekindle some old trade talks, some old, um, some old talks that we had at one point of swapping some other running backs, incorporate Gadsden into the deal. Hey, it didn't get done, but I do not mind that pick at all in the second because, and, and I know that other guys in our league were also kind of eyeing him up from, just conversations we've had. So ultimately, yeah, good pick there. I like what you did with Gadsden. He's kind of that cheat code. I, I just really hope that he he maintains and retains that tight end eligibility. I, I think he will, right? That's the 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 consensus should be that he will. But I guess there's a slight chance they kind of move him back to wide receiver. I don't think Fantrax is going to pull a fast one and, and move him back, but I suppose that's the only risk. Plus, he's not really an NFL asset for the most part. I know he has some interesting metrics, but if he truly is kind of making that conversion to tight end, it's like, oh, gosh, the guy has to put on like 30 pounds to be an Evan Ingram type. Could he do it? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's only like, what, 217 or, or something like that? Uh, somewhere around there. But uh, Omega King, who is also in this draft, says that he would have taken uh, him and Duchesne's, who uh, co- no, co- uh, Coney, that team, uh, would have taken that, him at 209 as well. So he wasn't making to you at 212. I actually had a second pick in the, in the second round as well. So there was no way he was making it to you. It was just for, for me whether I was going to wait and take him at uh, – what was my second pick? I had – I lost it. Uh, 208. So, I mean, there was no way that he was making it to you, but I just didn't want to wait those, uh, what, four picks in between because I was worried that somebody was going to take him. And at that point, you know, like like you said, there's a positional advantage, advantage to having him there. And I was looking at my tight end core, and I literally have like two tight ends, and I don't even think one of them is going to play this year. And so I was like, uh, this is one of those times where I'm going to draft like a player that I really want to draft anyway. But then on top of that, I, you know, I also am going to, uh, I, you know, I'm also going to get a player that's going to help me with the position of, of need as well. Yeah, and drafting for need, there has to be some element of that in these supplemental drafts. And you, you have said this before, but there's not really maybe an established ADP that you're drafting off of. Like, there's a general, like, yes, these players typically go early, you know, early in the first, second range or second, third range, whatever. So you knew that you wouldn't wait another round and, and get Gadsden. But you kind of had to make that decision of both the positional need and you know, he's still a fair guy to select in that range. So it's like, you don't really feel bad doing it. Um, Like you said, especially since the need was there. So yeah, I liked what you did there. And then as far as shouting out a couple other picks here in a row, 
I didn't really feel strongly about any of these guys being a value, but Riley Leonard at 204, Jurion Dickey, wide receiver for Oregon at, at 25, Cam Selden, running back slash wide receiver at Tennessee, and then Austin Reed. I actually think that was a surprising pick, Western Kentucky quarterback, who, I mean, he gives you that CFF upside. I know in this league, guys do value drafting these CFF producers somewhat you know, aggressively, but um, that seems kind of early for a guy who just doesn't really have NFL upside in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll get into the supplemental startup or not supplemental, the, the C2C startup that, that I did. Um, and I think he went kind of early in that one as well. So maybe it's just people really falling in love with Austin Reed. We know he's going to score a lot of points, so you can't hate on people for that. And once again, if there's no way of really knowing when these players are going to go, sometimes you just got to go get your guy. And, you know, if the, if your goal is to win the league, you know, you need points and, and you need to draft a player like that possibly. So um, I can't hate on it. It is surprising. I didn't think he was going to go at 207. Um, and then I took my boy Dorian Singer at 208. Uh, I was I was pretty happy to get him there. I did get ridiculed, uh, as one Felix Sharp would, would say, mocked and ridiculed uh, in the chat when I took Singer. You know, people asking me if I wanted to, to you know, take my pick back and redo my pick and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, I, I love it. I, I love getting that because I do truly believe in Singer. And so you know, if he balls out like the way that I think he's going to, then you know, I got all them bookmarks, baby. No, that's another nice pick. You know, so far, really, I've been, you know, happy with all the guys that you're selected in this draft, and that includes Singer. You talk about, do you draft a freshman wide receiver or just some sort of freshman player at that point, or do you go with somebody who has more established production already, who has quote-unquote hit and also happens to be in a good spot? I think it's a no-brainer to go Singer at that point. I probably would have taken him a few spots earlier. I would have been happy to take that pick off your hands, bud. Um, I, I would have been happy to take the the ridicule that that you, um, you know, you got if you if you want to trade him to me. Um, I, I certainly am open to this proposition, but yes, I, I like Singer there. Yeah, and we can revisit the trades because you know you want Gazden, you want Singer, you want all this. But that trade that you sent me, man, there was just too many damn pieces. And I'm like, I was like, I was, I'm too overwhelmed right now. I'm just gonna go ahead and hit decline. We can, we can talk more later on. I, I'm in like three startups right now. Work, getting ready for the expo next week. I'm like now is not the time to be going over a, a ten piece trade. <laughs> That's fair. And then to kind of finish out this round, a guy that you like right after him, Jalen Daniels, quarterback, Kansas, uh, Kendrick Riscano, a uh, freshman running back for Ole Miss, Devontae Walker, we already talked about that I selected at 211, and Jaden Ott, 212. And some news broke today, or at least I believe it was just today, um, that Jaden Ott's backfield mate, uh, Byron Cardwell, he's going to be out for the season. And so that was obviously a big competitor, kind of a high-end recruit, similar guy who's flashed, um, or not, I shouldn't say similar, but, you know, somewhat similarly talented as far as, you know, high-end recruit, transferred in, you know, maybe going to siphon away some touches. Well, that's not happening. Jay Knott's going to get those touches. Um, Jay Knott's going to get more uh, touches than we probably expected, or at least some of us expected, because I know you've been a fan. Um, as far as the raw talent goes, I love the athleticism, so I think that this is, this is a uh, certainly a nice break for whoever selected him at two twelve. 
Yeah, and and the other what is it, Justin Williams Thomas? Is that right? Uh, something like that. <laughs> he's also out right now, so he's not playing. Um, so that I mean, they brought in all these people to try and do whatever. I don't know, uh, but it doesn't matter. It's just the Jade Not Show, you know. So I I feel like uh, you know there, there's still some other question marks with that offense and everything that's gonna you know happen, but. Everything that I've heard from spring practices, spring games, all that kind of stuff is that like they're pretty excited about it. You know, not to say that it's 100% everything set in stone, like locked down, like this offense is going to be amazing, that kind of thing. But there's between, you were talking about Ott's athleticism and then, you know, they have Sam Jackson's athleticism. Like there's going to be so much just like burst and excitement in that that offense that they're excited. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what is actually going to happen there. But I think that... I don't think things are going to be worse, any worse for Jade not this year. If anything, he has a second year to like actually, you know, get a little, maybe get a little bit better at, you know, some of the intricacies of being a running back and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, maybe like them bringing in some competitive uh, competition and then it kind of going away, maybe that'll be enough to like light a fire up his ass and just be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go out here and, and run my ass off. So we'll, we'll see, but why don't we do one more round and then we'll dive into uh, the C2C startup as well. Um, so we have, I guess I'll, I'll say your boy, Malik Benson at, at uh, 301 here, uh, which I guess that's probably where I expected him to go, you know, somewhere around there, late second, early third, something like that. Um, and then we have uh, Dontavious Braswell at uh, running back out of South Carolina, at 302 Carson Beck which I did get ridiculed mocked and ridiculed by <laughs> Aaron Wilcox here um for the Carson Beck one which uh, we, we got into a little argument about that Aiden Childs at 304 Squirrel White 35 uh let's see is that Catron or no Caleb Jackson uh from LSU freshman running back from LSU at 36 TJ Harden, C, C, is it C or CA? Bangora, uh, Hakeem Williams, Travis Hunter, Spencer Sanders, and, or Shadur Sanders, not Spencer Sanders. And then uh, was it Cardell Russell there at uh, 312. So does anyone stand out besides, obviously, we know that you hate the uh, Carson Beck pick, but does anyone else stand out there in the third round? Yeah, I. I just think that at that point, maybe a reach for Beck, just my personal opinion, guy who actually hasn't really done it yet either. So sometimes we say, well, draft up a classman who's done it. He hasn't. Um, now, certainly he could, he could do well this year. Georgia's a great situation again. Well, I, I should say it's a very good team situation, right? Are they going to be in a position where they're in shootouts? Is he going to put up monster CFF production? Questionable. Is there that opportunity just with one year where he could vault himself into first round status. I guess it is possible. I don't think it's that probable going off one year, but, but maybe um, we, we know Georgia maybe isn't known for developing those high end nuanced passers, but at the end of the day, I, I can't fault you. You talked earlier about you got to get your guys. And again, QB I'm assuming was a need there, but as far as other guys in the round, I mean, you said Malik Benson. I do like him. I just I don't think I'm comfortable drafting him any earlier than the third. So that's a fair range for him to go in. Uh, other guys who stuck out as maybe surprising, uh, TJ Harden, for sure. That was one. I, I think that was kind of a reach. It's not a foregone conclusion that he is number one there. It sounds like he's on track to be at least the 1A in that backfield. I like him. I just 
I would have expected him to go maybe in the fifth. Like you probably could wait a while. I understand not wanting to risk waiting if he's, he's your guy, but I also don't think he's like this high end NFL talent either. And otherwise, I mean, through the rest of the round, I'm not a big Shadur Sanders guy, but I, I get taking a shot on him. And I actually like Travis Hunter a good amount. I don't know. I, I think I've been able to draft him in, in a different supplemental, either in that third or fourth range. So I don't hate that one either. Just because he, he has so much upside if he does indeed um, just stick with the wide receiver path. Yeah. And just to defend myself a little bit, like you said, with, with Beck, you know, I do have uh, somewhat of a need for QB. And so I just was wondering, you know, how long can I, la- can I wait and still get Beck? Because they're, they're talking about, everyone's talking about how easy their schedule is this year. So, I mean, they should be able to just walk over all over the, like these teams. And that might mean that he only plays like, you know, half a game or something, but you would hope in that half a game that maybe he has three touchdowns, you know, 300 passing yards, something like that. Uh, at least gives you something respectable, you know, in case I need him. I'm, I hope I don't even have to play him, but you know, shit happens. So I, that was, that was the first goal. But then the other thing is, it seems that the talk is that everyone believes that Carson Beck is a better player than Stetson Bennett. And I mean, I'm not like, that's not even saying that much because we don't really think this Stetson Bennett's all that amazing. And then Stetson Bennett goes and gets drafted in like what the fourth round or something like that in the NFL draft this year. But that was as a, what, sixth year player. Uh, I think it was. And who, who wasn't very good. So what happens if Carson Beck is actually good as a senior, like a, you know, fourth year player, like he very well could go in the first, second round. Like I, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed by any means. Um, but the things that we saw last year were promising. Uh, he, he did have a, a really pretty good big time throw rate. His, uh, his a dot really wasn't all that great. So like, I would like to see him push the ball down the field a little bit more, but he only attempted like think 33 passes, something like that. And then, uh, but his, his adjusted yards per attempt were, were great, like uh, above 10, which is what you love to see, especially in the sec and, uh, you know, no interceptions. Once again, small sample, like that's probably going to change, but he had zero interceptions through a few touchdowns, like all great things, albeit in a small sample. But I just, the way that I'm looking at it is, we expect them to at least be competing for a national championship. They're always going to be, you know, everyone's always going to be looking at Georgia. So if he's better than Stetson Bennett, is it going to be that crazy to think that all of a sudden he gets talked about in the first round of of the NFL draft? I don't think it's that insane, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're right that the team is going to be so good that he could be thrown into those conversations. Same way Stetson Bennett was like, could he be a day two guy, whatever. Ultimately, this guy couldn't beat out Stetson Bennett for a couple of years. This guy had such a small sample size that I just, I don't want to draw too much conclusions from that on a dominant team. So I, I told you after the pick, I was like, I, I'd take him later in the supplemental. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I think we agree to disagree on that one, but was there anybody else in this round that, or, or I guess even into the fourth, we won't go through the whole fourth, but is there anybody else that's gone off so far where you're like, What's going on there? Too too high or or maybe too low? Um, you know, I, I think the Lenore Sellers pick in the fourth is a little high for me. Uh, I get that he's a, an athletic quarterback and and people love that and everything. So like I I can't even hate on the pick by any means, but I just I, I don't know. I I don't even think that 
of the top five guys, those top five uh, five star QBs that we have that everyone thinks are going to hit, probably only two of them at best are going to hit. So then when you start getting into QB6, QB7, QB8, like it's just what are the odds of these guys hitting? It, not to say that it can't happen, won't happen. It's just, man, it, the odds do not seem great. And so at that point, that's when I'm looking – more for you know players that have already done it you know like I, I ended up taking Dominic Lovett a few picks later and you know obviously completely different uh position I don't know if the person that took him at 401 you know desperately needs QB and and wants that like athletic prowess and all that kind of stuff so I can't even say anything to their strategy but like if anything I, I kind of feel like Dominic Lovett is, I, I don't even say like if anything Dominic Lovett is underrated right now in, in my opinion and so I just, he doesn't seem to get any love, but going back to the Georgia offense, how easy their schedule is, all that kind of stuff. Who's going to be their wide receiver one? In my opinion, it's Dominic Lovett. I mean, he already dominated in the SEC on a pretty poor offense. So what happens when he goes into a more prolific offense, you know, and now he's over a thousand yards and everything. Next thing you know, people are talking about him in the first round. You know, like I, I don't think he's a first round wide receiver, but he doesn't even seem to be, considered like round two or anything like that right now by most people. And I feel like he should at least be in that talk. Yeah. Yeah. He should be in the day two conversation. And I do like that pick, uh, but I will say both those guys, boy, do I, I miss the days of the early off season drafts, the supplemental draft that took place in, in I think it was February that I was in. I mean, Lenora sellers, I got him in the 11th round of a supplemental like, I mean, at that rate, yes, absolutely. Take a shot on, on the athletic quarterback or like Dominic Lovett in that same draft. I got him in the eighth round. It's like the way that some of these like ADPs kind of settle out. It's like, you're right. Dominic Lovett is totally underrated asset. Um, and, you know, drafts later and later into the offseason seem to get a little sharper versus I, I think sometimes those early offseason ones, you can get those edges if, if you are quick enough to react to a breakout season like Dominant Lovett. Or maybe you are into scouting, so you, you hit on that Lenora Sellers before he gets way too out of price because I agree right now he's overpriced um, in the third, fourth round range for sure. So I like I like the Dominic Lovett pick. You know, that was, uh, you know, in my opinion, like I said, I didn't love love your Carson Beck, but then you, you turn around and, and redeem yourself there. So I love that. <laughs> you love to see it. All right. Well, I mean, that's basically where we're at in the draft right now. Uh, we've had a couple more picks since then, but um, we can definitely discuss that more on our next pod in a couple weeks. And, you know, I think we're going to be diving into possibly some sleepers and, and like deeper targets and stuff like that. So today we're going to stick to more of the, you know, the, the players that everyone already knows their names and all that kind of stuff, but just kind of, going over, like I said, this startup draft that we're doing. And there were so many different strategies and so many different uh, just attack way, uh, methods of attack and all that kind of stuff that it, it was really chaos. Honestly, that's the only way that I can explain it because somewhere around like the third or fourth round, I, I'm literally looking at my ranks. I'm looking at the board and I'm going, I don't know what to do at, at this point because I don't like there's players that are, that are down at, you know, QB 52 that are being taken already when QB 18 is still available and then, you know, and vice versa. And so then at that point it becomes, when do I take this player? When do I not take this player? Am I reaching? Am I, uh, am I going to miss out? And 
uh, it, like I said, it was chaos, and I really didn't know what to do. So, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about those uh, sleepers and, and everything uh, in the future pod. But why don't we go ahead and dive into that startup? And we will, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about every player because we don't have that much time. We're already almost 40 minutes in and all that kind of stuff. So we basically are going to pick out a, a player or two each that we liked and didn't like or, you know, didn't love the pick, that kind of thing. Uh, at least in the, the top, what, 10 rounds or so. And then if we have time, we can talk about some other players that we liked there and maybe the top half of the draft. But uh, why don't you start us out with the player that you liked and then the player you didn't like in the first round. And of course, that's kind of like, you know, tongue in cheek because it's the first round. Like there's not going to be too many players that you don't like, but maybe you just don't love that, that pick in the first round. Right. Some of these selections that we're going to make, it's more about the value than the player. And that's what this first pick is for me. Evan Stewart at one Oh six overall in a startup draft just seems high. It's a three QB league. Um, But at that point, you know, Drake may Caleb Williams being off the board. I don't, blame anybody for trying to go positional player. I just think that a Raheem Sanders and a Mecca Ibuka, Travion Henderson, Braylon Allen, Brock Bowers, even like those guys seem like they're just safer to me than an Evan Stewart, but ultimately good player. Evan Stewart is, I just think that he should have been a little bit lower. Um, honestly, I don't know if he should have been in the first round. So that was, I guess my quote unquote dislike. Uh, but then as far as my likes, I mean, I, I liked most of the picks from nine to to, or 12 or 8 to 12 there like some of the guys I just named off Raheem Sanders and Mecca Buka Trevion Henderson who you selected Braylon Allen Brock Bowers I mean I think that all those are probably solid values I'm not sure about the tight end premium in this startup but I mean Bowers is always a nice weapon to have yeah it's just 1.5 it's nothing crazy um so you know it's it's worth it, but Bowers, like you said, doesn't really matter. Like Bowers is, is Bowers, and especially in in a C to C league, he's going to be very valuable. I know there's still like there's people that think that he's going to be a better prospect than Kyle Pitts, and then there's people that are that say he's undersized and and all that kind of stuff. So like I I kind of see both arguments, um, but for college fantasy football, he's going to be perfectly fine, and he's going to score a shit ton of points. So I definitely don't mind that. Um, once again, I don't hate any of the picks in the first round. I get what you're saying about Evan Stewart. I considered that as well because, I mean, it is a reach. He, he doesn't generally go in the first round. But for me, it was Drew Alar. Um, and it's just, you know, it's my bias for for QBs that haven't truly hit yet or haven't really done anything, haven't been productive yet. Uh, and then looking at the Penn State offense, like, Who's he throwing to? Like, does he even have the chance to truly succeed this year? Like, what is considered a success? Because I've been told by a lot of people that KJ Jefferson hasn't succeeded because he only throws for like 3,000 yards. So, you know, JJ McCarthy hasn't succeeded because he only throws for 3,000 yards. So, Drew Lahr throws for 3,000 yards. I mean, is that going to be a disappointment? (laughs) You know, I, so I, it just, I get that that's probably where he goes. It's not even like a reach or anything like that. I just don't personally love the pick. And then, I'm going to kind of go homerish with with my pick here but I I, I picked myself for the best pick. Uh it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of tough because it's the first round, but I felt like the value that I got with Trevion Henderson at uh at 110 was pretty damn good because I mean, it, what a year ago he would have been what 102, 103, <laughs> you know, some something around there uh, most likely in a startup. And obviously there's more question marks this year. So I mean, rightfully so that he dropped but he's still my run, running back one. Um, now that could change in season, uh, you know, if, if he continues to struggle with health and stuff like that. 
But what we saw that year one was enough for me to still have him up there at running back one. Uh, he showed that he's truly special with the ball and, you know, whether it's in the receiving game, rushing game, all that kind of stuff. But then he just had the injury concerns. And so like, I'm not going to freak out over one year of being hurt. Like, like I said, if, if it continues on, that's a completely different story, but I, I really liked the Trevion Henderson pick. I, I loved getting him there. Now I would have been perfectly fine getting Braylon Allen, you know, the, the next pick, but I, I just have Trevion in a different tier. Like not that they're that far off, but I, I truly believe Trevion's special. Whereas Braylon's just that big boy that can run fast. And I love that too. Uh, it's just not quite the same. You're right. They are different players and different levels of talent, in my opinion. So health permitting, Trivion Henderson, nice pick there in the first. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So uh, why don't you get us started off with the second round? Uh, Who did you love in the second round? Yeah, I actually didn't have a strong flag plant in this round. I struggled to. I think that all of these guys, you could potentially argue, um, maybe were reaches, but you kind of have to select somebody, right? It's not that they're bad players. It's just that it feels somewhat gross having to reach all the way up into the second or even early second for some of those guys. So the top couple guys at 201, Xavier Worthy, I thought that was a solid selection. Uh, but honestly, I mean, he shouldn't go earlier than that. That's the that's probably the highest he should go. But I still, I think that's a solid player that you're landing there in the early second and same with Malachi Nelson, same with Cedric Baxter. Solid picks early in the second there. Uh, Malachi Nelson. I mean, it's just safe going with the USC wide receiver or quarterback who has all that wide receiver talent there, who has a great coach, great system in place. And, you know, people are going to love that Caleb Williams is, is coming out this upcoming year. They're going to love the things that they're going to see hopefully out of Malachi Nelson. So I think that those top three picks were my favorite. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about the rest of the guys in the round, uh, but you got to pick them at some point. Like I said. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you. I didn't necessarily love any, any pick Xavier worthy kind of went where he should go. Um, so I picked that. I, I've always been a fan of worthy. It's kind of the same thing. A very similar situation to Trevion Henderson, where blows up year one and then you know gets injured or you know has some injury issues quarterback issues that kind of thing in year two and he falls down the list uh, once again a year ago he was in the first round so you know we'd have to just ask ourselves like how much do we really freak out from these injuries and you know and a broken hand for a wide receiver seems pretty important to me so I, i'm just going to go ahead and say you know 13th overall 13 overall for xavier worthy is a, not a steal but a, a good value and so I really like that pick. Uh, and then I don't even necessarily hate the pick. I, I get, I understand the pick, uh, especially knowing that the, the person that made it uh, is definitely more like CFF oriented, but they're all in, like they're all in to win it this year. And they took Malachi Corley uh, from Western Kentucky. And it's just too early for me. Like you know, we've always preached that these are the rounds where we're focusing on Debbie players, players that are going to go to our NFL squads. And I'm sorry, but Malachi Corley is just not doing that. And so, I mean, or if he does, it's going to be a late round pick, you know, sixth, seventh round pick, whatever it is. I just don't, I don't love it. I get it. He's going to score points. And I mean, honestly, like the, the person that took him is, is probably the odds on favorite to win this year, you know, because he went very CFF heavy. And so he's going to score so many points, but we have to feed our NFL teams and see to see, you know, leagues. And so I just, I just don't love the pick at the end of the second round. Hey, 
that that is fair. And I kind of had a similar deal. Not not trying to team up on this manager. The next round, though, Austin. So in the third, three hundred one, Austin Reed. I already talked about him in the supplemental draft, so we don't have to go over that again. Just again, I don't think there's an NFL future there. C to C leagues, as much fun as it is, like you want to win both sides, right? I think there's a way to do that without having to draft CFF only type assets in the second or third. Um, you can get those guys later on, right? But there's still a lot of very good Devi assets in the second to third range. So Austin Reed 301 was, was kind of my least favorite there. Uh, did you have a least favorite pick in the third round, John? This is going to come as a very big shock to everyone, but Luther Burden at uh, what 304 was was my least favorite pick. And all joking aside, and I'm not even joking, like I, I do think that it, it's not not say a terrible pick, but I just don't like the pick. But when you look at who went behind him in the same round, even you know Tet McMillan, Donovan Edwards, even Branson Robinson, like. Think about the research that I've been talking about and, and discussing in, in the articles and all that kind of stuff. I mean, these are players that have already hit or they're running backs. You know, it just there's so much more to it. And then you have a player that has basically failed to do very much, uh, was dominated by Dominic Lovett, which once again, I feel like Dominic Lovett is underrated, but I also don't know that I feel like he is like truly special or anything either. So it just seemed it just seems too high. Uh, I get that you're baking on the the five star nature of his recruit profile you're banking on the athleticism or you know whatever that he has but you know the truth of the matter is he's a, a raw prospect um that you know we're hearing more and more that he's having troubles like he, he really had trouble like down the field like most of his uh work was around the line of scrimmage and all that kind of stuff and that doesn't scream like wide receiver you know x wide receiver like number one wide receiver in the nfl to me could it change sure I don't want to bet on that in the early third. And that's why I just think that, you know, I've talked about him way too much, but I, I think that Luther Burden is my pick here. <laughs> All right. And then as far as favorite picks, a couple here that I liked, I liked the one you selected. I, I picked Branson Robinson, honestly, Georgia running back. I think that just once you start getting to the mid to late third, it makes a lot of sense because he may be that second, third best back in the entire class that next year in 2025 like that's very appealing to me he has that workhorse size i think the one interesting tidbit is that he's still or i don't still think he's not practicing or at least he's still kind of banged up so something to watch something to monitor but this is like a dynasty type format where it's long term right let's not get too caught up in fading a guy just because he's banged up and they're just ensuring that he doesn't aggravate things heading into the season he is just you know, the, the competition ahead of him is not necessarily the strongest right now in Kendall Milton. Uh, I, I don't think that anybody expects Kendall Milton to stay he uh, stay healthy and just dominate things this year. I mean, he might still have a role, of course, if he's healthy, which is a big if at this point. So Branson, next guy up. I, I don't really mind um, your selection, though, uh, in this round either, John. Yeah, and I went with Donovan Edwards. Honestly, it I think it's mostly because I was really hoping he was going to slide to me, and he didn't. Uh, he went, what, four picks before me. So I, I guess it was probably never going to happen. But I've I've heard from other pods, you know, in articles, whatever, I've heard, like, hesitancy from people with Edwards because, oh, Coram's back and, you know, this and that. And I'm not worried about it. Like, the, the guy just absolutely blew up last year when Coram went out. 
But even really before that, uh, he just didn't really get like the full opportunity. And yeah, like Corum coming back definitely does hurt him. And I love Blake Corum as well. Like I would love to have both of them. It just didn't happen. Um, in fact, I got neither of them, so <laughs> it didn't work out at all. But I, I think that Donovan Edwards might be that that special kind of talent that we were talking about with like a Trevion Henderson, like that kind of thing. Maybe not to that level. Maybe I don't know. We'll we'll see. But man, he he's got to have some like crazy athleticism bursts like whatever like everything stands out in those part parts of his games and i'm not honestly that concerned about like if he doesn't get a full workload or anything like that i think he's gonna hold his own and i think that offense is prolific enough uh, at least in the running game to where it's not really gonna matter like if they do like a 50 50 split he's still gonna be able to put up his so i really liked that uh that pick there and i really feel like that's like that's a great spot to pick him. Like it, it was a good pick. It was the player I wanted, but it's also just a good value as well. It, absolutely, big fan of Edwards. Big fan of where he went there, and looking forward to him hopefully being healthy this season too. Absolutely. So moving into the fourth round, uh, it, I I feel like we're actually making decent time for once uh, here. You know, we're not we're not going too crazy with our discussion, but we'll see if, if that gets crazier here in the as we get into more rounds. But um, I'm going to start off with the first pick of the round. I, I I can't get behind Michael Penix Jr. in the in the beginning of the fourth round. I get that he's going to put up a, a bunch of points. Same thing. There's just too many Debbie players, Debbie viable players that are going to be going in this round. That even like I took, I didn't even pick my guys as a favorite one, but I took Malik Neighbors. Like I'm, I love Malik Neighbors. I feel like he has a you know he can easily be a first round talent in the NFL um, at the very least a second round talent. And yet, you know, we have a guy in Michael Penix Jr. that I, I feel like he's going to be like a fourth round pick, uh, you know, something like that. Like he's going to put up points on the college side. But I mean, maybe you have a differing opinion on Penix. But I, I know he's gotten some hype from people, but I do not believe he's a NFL quality QB. So, yeah, I, I went uh, with Penix Jr. there uh, for my least favorite. What about you? Yeah, no, no disagreement for me. As far as my least, I just said Jalen McMillan. It's not that I hate it. It's just at this point. I don't like it. You know, I don't think that he has a bright NFL feature. Is he an NFL guy? Yeah, I think he'll be drafted by an NFL team, if that's what you mean. But as far as difference making, I mean, is he going to be better than like Rasheed Rice? You know, he could be that type of guy. And I could see that sneaking into day two category. So I, I understand where people are coming from. But as far as is he ever going to be difference making, I don't know. He's going to be CFF res relevant we know that washington is going to be explosive his quarterback just went earlier this round i just am not a big jalen mcmillan fan especially roman dunze and some other talented wide receivers kind of eating into that share a bit if it was just mcmillan maybe i'd change my tune a little bit but i think it's just probably smidge early but again don't hate it by any means yeah, and I I, uh, I struggled to pick my favorite player in this round. Um, you know, not to say that there weren't good picks or anything like that. It was just I don't know that any one that like truly stood out. But I will say that you know I've fallen in personally in love with Jatavian JT Sanders, Jatavian Sanders, and you know talking about the positional advantage and all that kind of stuff as well. I felt like you know taking him here in the fourth was uh, late fourth was a good pick as well. Like I said, I I don't know that he like it stands head and shoulders above any of the other picks but 
when you get that positional advantage that not too many people are going to have in this league or in any league, you know, then, then I like getting that. And I also think that Jatavian Sanders is a NFL quality player as well. So like, I think he's going to, you know, there's definitely talks of him being a first round pick uh, next year. So you're getting the best of both worlds there. Yeah. I I don't hate it amongst tight ends. You know, it's a very risky proposition going with Debbie tight ends. We just truthfully don't know. Like, how are they actually going to pan out as far as NFL players? They could be good prospects. They can get first round draft capital. It just doesn't mean a lot uh, because there's just so many things that can go wrong. And it's a position that can, you know, easily accrue injuries, things like that. And um, I, I do like JT Sanders. I don't want to sound like a hater uh, because I didn't dislike the pick in the late fourth at all. As far as guys that I like, I mean, Troy Franklin, Connor Wegman, guys I'm fans of there. If I had to pick between them, Connor Wegman, I, I think that in your fourth round, if you can land a guy who could be a franchise quarterback, could be a difference-making quarterback, especially for an NFL future potentially, I think that's a good spot. So I liked him in the what, what, the 405 slot of the startup. Yeah, and I agree. That's definitely a good pick there. Um, I I was definitely considering him there between Neighbors and Wegman. I went Neighbors hoping that, you know, the QB would drop, and it obviously didn't work out. So <laughs> there was a couple of times, like I said, it started getting difficult probably around this time to figure out. You know, once you have Rasheen Ali, Michael Penix Jr., and, like, all these other players going in, in these earlier rounds, that I'm starting to think to myself, who can fall? You know, because like, if you have all these CFF producers that, you know, being drafted, once again, I'm not even saying I hate the strategy or anything. I'm just saying that I, I was looking at it a different way. But when you see that, then you start thinking, oh man, maybe Connor Wegman's going to fall. And then he gets picked two, two rounds or two picks later. So it didn't, it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just look at the guys who he went after. It's like Arch Manning, Nico, Club Nick. Uh, those guys were in the second, right? And then you see Austin Reed go in the, the early third. You see Bo Nix go at the end of the third. You see Penix go before him in the fourth. It's like, I mean, Wigman, he's already shown way more than, well, he's he shown more than the freshmen who haven't even done anything yet. And then some of those other guys, they're CFF only. Like, And this is a 3QB league. Like, they they matter. So just a phenomenal um, pick. I actually am warming up more and more the, the more I talk about it to the Wigman pick for sure. Yeah, and I think I failed to mention that it is a 3QB league, and it's not super flex. It's 3QB, start 3QB. So they're, uh, they're definitely important in that league, <laughs> to, to say the very least. But uh, moving into the fifth round, uh, I went ahead and uh, – picked a player that I just talked about Blake Corum. I felt like it was, it was my favorite pick there because, you know, I kind of the same thing I just said about Donovan Edwards, like they're going to be in a prolific offense again, at least in the rushing game. They're talking about, you know, even throwing more, hopefully the offense in in general or as a whole is going to get better. But I think that Corum is going to do exactly, you know, what he did last year. Maybe he won't have the full workload like he did. Cause I think it's going to be what people expected it to be last year, this year. Because I feel like the team was trying to save Donovan Edwards so that they could have him for this year. But then, of course, Corum comes back because of the injury and everything. And so now they're like, well, we're not going to save him. I think they're just going to end up doing a split, and it's going to be 50-50. If anything, they might want to save Corum. Like, he's already shown what he can do and that kind of thing. And, and so I, I think that when it's all said and done, I, I love the player getting him here in like the late fifth just seems like a steal because I think he's still going to be viable in the NFL. I know people have height concerns 
it's not weight concerns. It's not BMI concerns. It's literally just height concerns. Um, he has athleticism. He has like all the things that you want. He has obviously shown that he can do it, um, you know, in, in, on a good team or, you know, against good defenses, all that kind of stuff. And yet I just feel like he gets kind of underrated. So I really like the pick there. Yeah. He, he's still a good player. Let's, let's not dismiss him. I think a little bit of that is just recency bias, right? He, he wasn't there for us, you know, in the college playoffs, et cetera. Is he going to be healthy? I, I think he will be healthy. So I don't mind the Blake Corum selection there, but I actually went with originally I was going to go with Ronda Gadsden. So tight end um, who, who's kind of that cheat code. I think grabbing him in the early fifth is very nice, but honestly, the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait, Damian Martinez also went in this round. Like Damian Martinez, there's been guys, a couple of running backs already selected where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're really NFL guys. I think Damian Martinez not only can be a high end CFF producer, but he has a shot at being a decent NFL back too. So I really think that that's a nice pick there in the mid fifth. I don't know why I was, I was actually looking at my phone for a second, but I thought that you were hating on Damian Martinez for a second. Then I was like, and then I realized I was like, Oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Cause I was about to have some words for you, but yeah, no, um, I, I was cheating. I was going with uh, two guys that I liked. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. And we already talked about Gadsden uh, enough, but we haven't really touched on uh, Martinez there too much. Uh, I, I like Martinez as well. So, uh, and then the player that I picked that I, I'd really di- di- dislike here is Matthew Golden. I just don't think that he's special, uh, um, at least what we saw from last year. And then with Houston moving up to the Big 12 and going up against you know harder competition, what are the odds that he like just truly stands out this year? It just doesn't seem very likely to me. So I feel like while he had a good freshman year, it was in... I always get the G5 ones, whatever he was in American conference or whatever he was in uh, before, you know, like that's, that's great. That's fine and dandy, but it's, it's not the big 12. It's not, you know, it's not the, the P five. And I just think that like 700 yards in that, you know, in the G five just isn't the same as 700 yards in, in a P five conference. So I just don't think he's going to end up being special. And like I said, if they're going up against more difficult competition, all that kind of stuff, is he going to stand out this year? Then it just seems like I don't really want to take him this early because I feel like his value is going to drop. Yeah. He's a guy where I'm not sure if his value skyrockets. I can certainly see him retaining. I think we've talked about this before where even if his counting stats don't really take that huge leap forward, I do think that his share from the offense will be pretty considerable. I mean, you think about tank Dell stepping down and that's a big reason tank Dell's talent and, you know, he was very old. So, you know, I mean, he had been, you know, working on his craft for many years there, but I mean, take Dell, I'm not a huge believer and none of us should be a huge believer and just vacated targets. Like, okay, they're all going to be allocated to one guy or whatever the distribution is. Things change. Like you said, level of competition and quarterback situation, uh, offensive, you know, how much points they're going to score this season, et cetera. So I don't expect, like I said, maybe the counting stats to take a huge leap forwards. So maybe people do end up getting a little bit um, frustrated with that and moving him down. But in the grand scheme of things, I think he just continues to take on a larger share of the offense. He he had decent numbers as, as a true freshman. Like you said, not special, but pretty decent, pretty solid efficiency. So, I mean, if you're getting him quite a bit cheaper than like a, 
I don't know, a Luther Burden. I, I would take that, I guess, if you're comparing him to some of the previous picks selected there. So I don't hate it. I, I get what you're what you're trying to get at, though. Yeah, and I mean, I, I said that Luther Burton should have been picked later, so I'm saying they both should have been. <laughs> um, so why don't we move into the sixth round here, and uh, you know, this is where we start getting, we start to see more and more people diving into the CFF only or you know, mostly uh, kind of players and everything, and it. That's why I was really happy with my selection, and so I once again I did a homer pick here, and I did I picked mine. Um, but I, I took Trevor Etienne here in the uh, at what six oh six, and I was pretty damn happy with that one because I feel like, like I said, we're we're kind of starting to get more into the CFF players and all that kind of stuff. But this felt like obviously not one of the last uh, Debbie viable players or anything like that, but maybe like one of the last like truly Debbie viable running backs that I think that we can say like has a pretty damn good, you know, shot at making it to the NFL. Uh, you know, there's obviously players that have a shot be- beyond this, but like ETN is almost like a, a teardrop or like after ETN is almost like a teardrop for me. Uh, so how do you feel about that ETN pick there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like ETN. We've talked about him a bunch on the show before. No complaints with your selection there. I think that's a, a solid bet to make at this point. And I, picked kind of something similar as far as Roderick Robinson. I mean, he's an incoming freshman, right? So he hasn't done it yet, but he's set up really well at Georgia. He's, he's athletic. He, you know, he continues to impress more and more and more as people really catch on how athletic he is. And at that size, very, very tempting to end up going with a guy who you might have to wait a few years, but could be special. So that was my selection for a player that I liked versus a player that I thought maybe was a reach on it is Aiden Childs, Oregon state quarterback. First of all, what, why is Oregon State like? Why is that a destination? Why are we drafting those quarterbacks like that's some sort of great destination? And maybe you want to look past it. Maybe you want to look just at the player itself. Like, put aside that it's not a good school to develop quarterbacks. I mean, in shells, he's a raw player. Like, yes, he has that talent. He's like Lenora Sellers in some ways, where he has a lot of talent. I just don't, I haven't really seen it. Like, like it's just raw talent at this point. And that doesn't mean a lot. He's, he's not going to probably start year one. It just doesn't seem likely. So you're, you're waiting a whole nother year to find out, even if this guy's okay, even if he's okay, he's probably not going to be a big time CFF stud and very much even more of a long shot for the NFL. So I just think that in the sixth, there's a lot of other avenues you can go there that are less risky, exposes you less to a big fat zero in your lineup. You, you could certainly go a number of different routes, but for me, not Childs. Yeah, I agree. And I considered uh, taking him, but then I remembered, you know, the, one of the major rules that I've discussed with, uh, with the articles that I've been doing for C2C is don't take tight ends early. Just don't do it. And uh, we had, uh, and this is a placeholder, so I won't even say the player's name because I don't even know if I could say it if I wanted to. Uh, but it was a, a placeholder for Deuce Robinson, the tight end out of USC. And I know that people are getting, you know, really hyped for him. Uh, you know, at first, it was kind of like there was question marks about is he going to play football, and then it was, you know, where's he going to play, and all that kind of stuff. Then we get the landing spot. Now everyone seems to love him. The hit rates for, for tight ends, like even the five star, the best tight ends, the hit rate is 12.5%. Like it's so bad. Um, and then, you know, in the last article that I did, the three, I think it was 3.7% of the uh, tight ends that have hit over the last seven years, 
3.7% of them were a five-star prospect. Now, that doesn't mean that Deuce Robinson can't hit. That just goes to show you how often it's actually happening. It's not happening you know, hardly ever. And so just what are the odds that Deuce Robinson is the one that is going to change it? It just doesn't seem very likely to me. I'm not taking tight ends this early that haven't hit. I was talking earlier how I like the JT Sanders pick because he's already hit. I'm talking about the tight ends that haven't done anything just because name value, landing spot, you know, star recruits, like all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not drafting tight ends. Then once you see, you know, like a, an Aronde Gadsden do it, like those kind of players. Okay. Now I'm drafting tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, honestly, I think I'm in agreement with you. I don't know if I can even add a lot more. So yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And did you even hear the latest news there? I mean, he's going to be labeled as a wide receiver. That, that's on the team side, I think it is. And it's like, ugh, I mean, that's already so crowded. Oh, and wow. I don't know if he's going to have eligibility at the tight end position on fan tracks. Um, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I had not heard that. And then that might get into like the year one zero theory and all that kind of stuff as well. But, you know, I think that also just, le- you know, uh, just shows us that like, it's just, I don't know. It's a risky pick in my opinion. I get the upside of the pick. I don't know if we need to start going in like upside only in the sixth round of a startup, you know, just, I I'm fine with going with the more proven players or the positions that actually hit at a higher rate, like that kind of thing. So uh, not the biggest fan of that one, but I am a big fan of Dorian singer in the seventh round at the end of the seventh round there. We've already talked about him, so I don't really need to discuss it any further, but that was my favorite pick of the round. There you go. Um, I, I said I like KJ Jefferson in this range just because in the seventh, there's a lot of quarterbacks who have already started to go off the board. Joe Milton earlier this round, I'm like, you know, KJ Jefferson. Um, you know, I think at this point, he's going after like Michael Pratt and even Carson Beck, Daquan Finn, Jordan Travis. I, I just think that KJ potentially has a little bit higher NFL ceiling, but I get from a CFF per, uh, standpoint, he might not be that monster producer, but. I guess we forget how much he was able to rush previously in college. Like if he gets back to his roots there, rushing the ball, plus, you know, hopefully some, some decent passing yardage. That's interesting. And then you selected somebody who, who I'm a little bit surprised. I, I want to hear more of why you're low on this player. Um, you know, you know, maybe you can give us some insight into production things that he lacks. Um, yeah. Let, go ahead with your guy that you don't like here. Yeah, and, and just real quick, I was really hoping that KJ was going to fall to me. Um, I picked two picks after uh, KJ was taken. I ended up taking Jalen Daniels. So, I mean, I'm fine. I still like Jalen. I think he's going to be perfectly fine. I do like KJ Jefferson more. So I, I that one hurt a little bit, but I really don't. I mean, I, I don't mind taking Jalen Daniels there at all. And I guess, uh, you know, all I can do is applaud him and say, hey, it was a good pick. But, uh, yeah, C- Caleb Johnson, I... I, I just I'm not a fan. I I want to say, and I'm gonna bring up his uh, his profile real quick. But I want to say that he's like five nine one seventy. Oh no no, he's, that was a different one. That was thinking. Okay, so he's he's uh, six foot two twelve, but he just nothing really stands out. He's point eight PPR points per touch. You know that that's not anything exciting. Seven percent big time run rate. Okay, you know that that's decent. That's decent, but just nothing really stands out. It's like. Oh, oh, he also doesn't really, uh, you know, catch the ball. Zero receptions per game, or you know, or like leaning towards zero receptions per game. Just, nothing stands out as like this guy's going to be special. We got to take him right here. So I just felt like 
uh, not to say that I even hate the pick or anything like that. Uh, like he's my he's my Devi running back fifty three, um, uh, not including freshmen. So he's he's like what like sixty something, you know, something like that. So I I don't hate the player. I'm not saying he's a terrible pick or anything. Like that. I just think it's too early, and that that's really why I chose it. But you know, it was one of those rounds where I couldn't truly pick a, a player that I hated or anything like that. And so I just went with like I don't think he's special. And once again, I think it's a little early to not be going after players that we think could still be special or at the very least really help our, uh, our, our, uh, CFF side. Right. Yeah. How, how elite of a ceiling does he give you on the CFF side? You know, that can certainly be debated, uh, but he should be a producer at least on that side. Ultimately. I mean, what he did as a true freshman though raw production wise being able to handle a decent workload there i mean 150 carries for 779 yards so i mean he's not going to double that but i mean even if he you know gets an extra 100 carries which is very possible you, you see him easily surpassing the thousand rushing yards share and like you said not a prolific receiver but you know he might have like 10 receptions by the time the season's done so Again, solid, and maybe I just proved your point to a degree that he is a solid back, um, but maybe just not special at least yet. But the guy is just so physical, like six foot two twenty two. He's got a great build to him. He just needs to potentially pop a little bit more and show some receiving versatility. And he he has potential ceiling. I will say that, even though what he has done so far doesn't scream like home run guy. He he's probably never going to be that that four four guy, but he could be like a, a very serviceable NFL player. Um, if he develops right. Yeah. And actually lied. I was looking at my, uh, my CFF uh, options. So he was my running back 53, not counting freshmen on the CFF side. Uh, but you know, for, for Debbie purposes, he actually drops like another 10 spots. So, you know, once again, I don't hate the player or anything like that. I just, I would be taking some other players ahead of them, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> Uh, let's see, getting back to the, the draft in round eight, I took, I chose, uh, Kavorian Barnes, another running back there as one of my favorite players. And I want to say that I have him, you know, somewhere in like the thirties, uh, you know, twenties or thirties, um, maybe even I'd have to look it up, but how do you feel about Barnes? Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I was actually kind of hoping that he fell in the supplemental that we're in. He did not. I think he went like in the late third or something. Um, ultimately, Kavorian Barnes, good CFF asset, slight chance of NFL future, maybe like a Tasha Spears type of route, um, hopefully without the the knee concerns. But yeah, Kavorian Barnes, he did have an off-season sur- surgery uh, to his labrum of the shoulder, um, but he played with that this last season. So I'm not very concerned with the idea that it's going to be something that limits him this season. So, and he even put on weight. So I'm assuming it's good. I'm, I'm hoping it's good weight. I guess you can't assume if he's, he's been still limited because of the shoulder, but uh, yeah, ultimately good CFF asset at this point of the draft, you start taking shots on those guys. If they have an elite ceiling and Barnes shows that he has that elite ceiling. And as far as some of my thoughts in this round, I mean, Mario Williams was kind of a guy where I said, uh, I just, We've talked about him in the show before, so we don't need to to rehash that. But Mario Williams, USC wide receiver, just hasn't really shown much upside in the past. It hasn't really shown that he's worthy of like day one, day two draft capital in the NFL either. So he could really break out this season, but with a pretty still crowded depth chart at USC, I just don't think he takes that big leap. 
Yeah, I agree. And like you said, we've talked about Mario enough, but I, I honestly considered uh, picking him. Just I don't think that. I think he's just going to get completely, you know, passed over by every player, Singer, uh, Branch, and and everyone else. So, Lemon. yeah. Uh, and then with with Barnes, he's actually my uh, he's actually my RB twenty on the CFF side. So you know, whereas I don't know, I don't know that I like absolutely love him for you know Debbie purposes. At least you're getting kind of like that ceiling, uh, you know, for the CFF side with that pick. And so that was really why. I leaned that way for him. Honestly, uh, there's a lot of picks in this one that are probably in this round. We really start to see a lot more of these picks be CFF oriented. Um, you know, you don't see too much except for maybe like a Kendrick Griscano uh, that are like more of like your Debbie style picks, like that kind of thing. So I think that, you know, that's why I kind of went with, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that that's why I went with that. And then the one that I play, the player that I chose uh, that I didn't really love in this one is just Tyler Shue. I I just don't believe he's much of anything. I mean, maybe he's going to be a CFF producer. He definitely doesn't have any Debbie <laughs> Debbie viability here. Uh, I, I just I don't love the pick there. I get it's a three QB league. You need QBs. I feel like there was QBs that he could have taken uh, over Tyler Shue there. <laughs> Yeah, and I believe it's it's pronounced shock, but I I wouldn't have thought that without hearing it elsewhere. But you know, it, I, either who way, am right, I if I'm not messing up somebody's name? You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're not here to critique that. You know, Texas Tech quarterback who hasn't really been able to stay healthy. It's like eh, he's not high on your priority list as far as you know, getting every every uh, aspect of pronunciations. And you know what? At this point in the draft, we talked about. You know, maybe maybe you do invest in CFF only type of options at this point, and I think that's what he is. So, like you said, maybe you go a different route, potentially going with a, a quarterback who has a slight chance of NFL upside. But at this point, I mean, you're in the very end of the eighth. This is a three QB league. Tyler Shuck could give you top twelve upside as far as like a system quarterback. I'm not saying he's good, but we've seen kind of average quarterbacks be propelled into that range. Uh, ultimately, though, this is like that dynasty format. He's not going to be around probably past this year. Like this is his last hurrah. He hasn't stayed healthy. So I'm not even criticizing your pick. It's more so just a devil's advocate this late in the draft. Um, I didn't select him as my least favorite, but I can see what you're getting at there. Yeah. And that definitely plays into it. You know, these fifth year players that, you know, just like what, yeah. Okay. He's going to be dominant for, for this one year, maybe. I don't, I don't even think he's all that special. Like I know the system or like six games or or three games or something. (laughs) Yeah. But, but then, you know, at the the same time, like what happens next year, it just seems like it's a little too early to be taking some of these fifth year players. And that was honestly something that I struggled with as well, because there's a lot of these fourth, fifth, six year players that I really love on the CFF side. But when do you prioritize taking them? Because you know, you're not going to have them next year. You know, you're not, you know, you're not going to have them in two years. And so, you know, that, that started playing into it and, and, you know, albeit I'm, or admittedly, I'm newer to the C2C realm and everything. So like, I just don't have that experience to really know exactly when everyone, you know, goes and, and starts making those uh, changes to their strategy and that kind of thing. So, 
you know, it's definitely a, a learning experience, but I also feel like this draft was a little crazier than, than maybe your normal C2C startup, like that kind of thing. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe this is the norm and it just, uh, you know, just I got caught up in it. <laughs> but why don't we move on to the ninth round here? And then, you know, we'll probably, what, maybe do one more round and then get out of here for this one. Like I said, we're going to get more into the deeper rounds, the the sleepers, if you will, the, the underrated players, whatever you want to call them. Uh, in, in a future pod, and we could probably make that one a, a pretty long one as well. But uh, in the ninth round here, I chose Adonai Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, uh, as the player that I don't really love. And it's just, you know, he didn't do anything. He hasn't done anything. I know he's gotten some uh, some hype recently, um, whether it was like spring practice, spring games, whatever. Uh, so I know that he's getting hyped, but man... I don't think that he's going to like truly stand out. There's a lot of good players at Texas. You know, we've already talked about some of them. We've even like, you know, I feel like Isaiah Nayor is, is kind of like the forgotten man, but like, who's to say that he's not going to come back and, and, and just be like the man there. So what are the odds that Adonai Mitchell just like completely st- stands out uh, this year? And then if he doesn't, you know, the, uh, like it's just, his value is going to completely sky or completely just tank. And so I, I just don't love the pick there. What do you think about AD Mitchell? Like you, you might be a little more uh, in tune with like what's going on with him. Yeah. He's just a guy where it's really hard to go off production, whether it's, you know, not even counting stats, raw stats, but more advanced metrics too. The guy has just been so inconsistent and part of, or a big part of that has been health to this point. And it's not like, he has these repetitive injuries, which makes me think he's injury prone. I think some of it is bad luck, but ultimately, I mean, you have to be on the field. You have to produce. He has not really done that consistently enough. I get the raw talent. I get the landing spot, which is pretty good. And I mean, maybe, maybe you want to take Nair off my hands. Cause I do have him in our league, but I, I think that AD Mitchell probably going to be starting over him. I, that's just, you know, everything that I'm hearing, the probability, um, of that. And I'm not a big Jordan Whittington guy. So after worthy, it's like ah, Texas could be a pretty potent offense. AD Mitchell, the number two there, you can make a case for it, but ultimately it's in the ninth. Like there's other guys who can probably give you higher CFF production again, and just as good of an NFL future potentially. So yeah, I don't mind the fate of that pick. I actually had uh, one guy that I really liked in this round. I didn't really have a, a dislike necessarily though there's you know some potential reaches i suppose but marshawn lloyd lloyd usc running back i just think that this late in the draft like take a take a home run shot on a guy who could just really break out at the running back position highly regarded guy coming as a uh, coming out as a recruit unfortunately some injuries really you know plagued him early on but this last year he actually showed like he's getting healthy again he looked really good in the spring. It seems like he's a solidified starter. And anybody who's like Austin Jones is still there for USC. It's like, I mean, Travis Dye just totally took over or totally made Austin Jones look bad. Actually, Travis Dye didn't even need to make Austin Jones look bad. Austin Jones is just inefficient and bad. I, I'm sorry. That's going to offend some some folks. Uh, I'm not saying you know anything about him as a person, anything about him. Like he's a collegiate player and and a starter at one point but he's just not special he's not special enough to keep marshall lloyd off the field i really think that marshall lloyd here in the ninth was a solid pick 
Yeah, I definitely like that as well. I, I definitely went the Homer approach uh, with this one because I had two picks in this round and I really wanted to choose both of them. Uh, but one of my, my first pick was Jade Knott, which, who we already discussed. And so I, I went with Dominic Lovett, who we've already discussed as well. Uh, both of those were my guys, my picks in this round. But, you know, when you're talking about A.D. Mitchell and then in the same round later on, you can get Dominic Lovett. Like somebody that's already proven on a prolific offense, all that kind of stuff that is probably the the wide receiver one on his own team. You know, you were talking about A.D. Mitchell being the wide receiver two. Like, Jontae Cook die? Like, I, I know he's a freshman, but, you know, I, I just feel like he's going to see the field pretty damn early as well. And especially if, if A.D. Mitchell has any kind of issues with health or anything like that. But, um, you know, we don't need to discuss Love It anymore, but I, I felt like. I was pretty happy to get him there in at the end of the ninth round. Yeah, yeah, no complaints. We touched on him earlier. Yep. So in the tenth round, I actually went with uh, one of my favorite players just because he was a sleeper uh, last year for me, and it's completely worked out. Audric Estime. We've talked about him before. Like he's the epitome of what a running back should look like. You know, he just rocked up like stud running back, and I think that he's actually outproduced what any kind of expectations that anyone had for him even myself um i recently talked to a scout an nfl scout and uh, i was i slid into his dms and just asked him about audric estime and he said that he, you know he expects him to be like a, a top 150 uh player in the nfl draft now that's not saying too much you know what is that fourth round <laughs> but you know fourth round or, or earlier um but in this new world of running backs, fourth round is almost like the third round or second round or, or whatever. So I feel like I feel like you're getting a solid CFF production because he's the only guy in town now. Basically, uh, I know there's like a the freshman running back or, or whatever there, but he's basically the only show in town. He's gonna produce for you on, on for the CFF side, but then I honestly think that he's going to be a viable player. He maybe he may not be like truly special or anything like that in the NFL, but he's one of those kind of like um, David Montgomerys or, or somebody like that that can you know run a backfield if need be, and like you need those kind of players for on your squad. So I, I I love getting him here. I know you chose another running back um, that maybe doesn't have maybe has more upside but not as much promised <laughs> to him, you know, especially this year. Yeah, there's, there's not much promise to Jamoria Miller. Jam Miller, Alabama running back. We just don't know, truthfully, if he's going to get on the field much at all. But ultimately, they, there's a chance that he is the guy that's next up. So whether that's at some point this season or next season, there's a very real chance that he is that Alabama lead back at some point in the next few years. He has that feature size back, enough athleticism, enough receiving ability and versatility that it's like, yeah, I'm very interested in him. Now, yes, do you ups, do you weigh the safety of the floor of an Audric Estime or do you go with a home run pick? I think in the 10th here, it's like either get really good CFF guys or at least very you know high probability that they're going to be a good CFF asset or sometimes you go with the high upside. I think, like you said, Audric Estime is maybe a blend of both. So I like that. Uh, but Jamoria Miller is also another guy in the 10th range um, where you're seeing a lot of the, a lot of the other Georgia or um, Alabama backs go much earlier than him. Well, might as well take a shot a little bit later on an Alabama back where we know hit rates wise, that's a very good bet. And it's not like this guy's had injuries or off the field issues, et cetera. The guy's pretty clean. 
So ultimately, some upside there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I liked the jam pick. I told uh, our, our buddy there that you know, I liked it. It's just, I, I just, I, I love estimate just because of where he came from and who he is now and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm always going to love that pick. Um, I don't even think we need to discuss the 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 one that I didn't like because honestly, like it's it's getting iffy about liking and not liking. It's a lot more. Uh, hoping for the best and changes in scenery, new coaches. I mean, we had so many players in the transfer portal. Some of these players, I didn't even realize what team they were on until I actually went to draft them. And I'm like, huh, okay, <laughs> you know, this is different. I need to do a little more research before I make this pick. But I will – I said we were going to stop in the 10th, but I lied. We're going to move to the 11th because I can't – I cannot stop this pod – until we talk about Bucky Irving, I got him in the 11th round, 11-10. I honestly was sweating that pick so hard. I I really probably should have taken him like two or three rounds earlier just to guarantee that I got him. And I honestly, I would have been so mad at myself if I had not. I just knew that the C2C boys hate him with a fiery passion. And so I just, I, I guess I was kind of playing chicken more than anything else. And I mean, I guess technically I won, but uh, man, I, it was scary as hell. <laughs> there you go. Well, e- each of us has a share of Bucky. Maybe you have more than one. I'm, I'm not sure, but each of us at least has one. That's a good place to be as far as, you know, potential uh, CFF upside. And maybe if he bulks up, uh, there's an NFL chance there. So, Hey, good for you. You know, waiting it out. Sometimes I'm a type of uh, dynasty C to C player where I kind of like to trade around, make sure I get that guy. So I might've overpaid and, and maybe um, botched some other opportunities in the future, you know, parted with some draft capital that I didn't need to part with just to move up to get Bucky Irving. And sometimes that does pay off, right? Let the guys fall to you and good things happen. Like, like I know you had to trade up at one point. I don't know if it was, it was for Jaden Ott or if that was the one for Dominic Lovett, but sometimes you do have to make those moves, but it's great when it works out and, and the guy just falls to you. I actually didn't trade up uh, at any point. I, I honestly, I don't trade right. up all that often. I, I, I know, and I, I love it when you do it because I feel like you know you, you've gotten really good over at it over the years, and so I do appreciate when you do it. It's just never been my style of, of drafting. My, I really, I love watching value fall into my hands, and so you know, having to pay, like you said, it, it's that you, you start doing that internal argument of well could I get him if I just waited, you know, like that kind of thing. And so once I start getting that idea in my head, I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just want to, you know, I want to make sure that or I, I just want to see if, if he'll fall and I, I don't want to overpay for that. Um, and I know you were asking about my, uh, I, I didn't have a pick in the 10th. I traded back. Um, I traded back like a handful of spots and then I ended up trading I guess I, I traded up technically, but it was really that I moved up uh, quite a few spots in the ninth, and then I lost my 10th round pick. I don't remember exactly what the trade was, but I didn't actually trade up. It was just like a part of the deal where um, he moved up a little bit earlier or later on in the in the draft. I moved up or I moved back, you know, at that point. Uh, and, but then I gained like a full round. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I think I got, yeah, I moved up to 9-10. That's what it was. I, I moved up to nine ten. I gave him like nine oh two or something like that. I moved up to nine ten, and then he got my eleven oh two. I believe it was. 
Um, so I basically gained like a full round there a little bit later on. All right. Well, that that worked out. Yeah, I was happy with it, but I think that's enough for tonight. We can definitely dive more into this. I mean, there's, uh, th- there's what, 35 more rounds, 34 more rounds uh, just in this startup alone. And then obviously we're going to have that supplemental draft that we're going. You know, we're going to have, what, another 10 or, or so uh, rounds for you from that one. I think we're going to have a guest on next time. Uh, I won't, we, we haven't actually like fully set a date, so I won't say any names just yet, but I do believe that we have a, a good guest for you for the next one, but you know, we should be diving into some sleepers, underrated players, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we really do appreciate you listening. Once again, uh, let us know if you like the new intro, you like the new setup, all that kind of stuff. Um, any kind of feedback we, we, excuse me, we always greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we, we always want to hear from you guys. We hope that, uh, you're, you know, killing your supplementals, killing your startup drafts. If you have any questions, always let us know, uh, slide into the DMS for Aaron or myself, and we will always be willing to help you, uh, check out. I actually, I, I haven't said this to anyone yet, but we're going to go ahead and shut down the C2C series in like, I think two more articles, um, for the year. And then we're going to bring it back in the off season next year. So we're just not going to do it in season. Uh, so this will be like one or two more. And I'm probably just going to dive into uh, maybe these, uh, these drafts a little bit, like talking about some of the strategy involved and, and stuff like that. Like it's, it's kind of, it kind of worked out perfectly to where we, we've started from like the introduction to C to C what is it, all that kind of stuff. And then we started diving into strategy. Then we started looking at the freshman hit rates and all that kind of stuff. And then bam, now we're doing a C to C startup um, and, and then a supplemental draft. And I can just kind of talk about all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's a good stopping point. Uh, but you know, I'll definitely be doing some, uh, some other article series and stuff like that, but the C to C one will be stopping soon and then we'll restart it in the, uh, in 2024. So appreciate you guys listening. Aaron, if you have anything else to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, other than, you know, the articles may be, you know, stopping or, or moving on to other topics, but you know, the Debbie devotional topics, the Debbie C2C love um, and content analysis, that's going to stay. So you can look forward to that. You better believe it. All right, guys, appreciate you listening. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. See you.